Welcome to Study Religion, the podcast produced by the Department of Religious Studies at the University of Alabama. I am your host, Mike Altman, and uh, we have the third and final in our series on making the jump. We have conversations with people who were in the field of religious studies in one way or another and then decided to take their academic career in a new direction. Um, And today... I'm speaking with Kate Daly Bailey, who shifted uh, from her work in religious studies towards work uh, in administration, um, and specifically in uh, advising undergraduate students. And it's a really interesting conversation about how she draws on uh, her training in religious studies, but then how she also just really enjoys working in the university environment in a different way. Uh, So I think it's just a great conversation to think about how there are lots of things folks can do with their academic training in religious studies. All right, I am here with Kate Daly Bailey, who is the, uh, you told me and I just forgot, academic (laughs) advisor for Romance Languages. Yes. Yes. Correct. You got it. Yes. Thanks for taking time to talk about this kind of stuff. Sure. I'm happy to. So just to start off with, can you kind of tell tell me sort of what you're doing now and then just sort of how you ended up there? Yeah. So um, I'm an academic advisor at UGA. Um, I sort of fell into it, uh, surprisingly. I didn't know what an academic advisor was. I didn't know that there was a sort of separate job. Um, and so now what I do basically is I, I help students in romance languages, but also in other, with other degrees, uh, figure out what they need to graduate and sort of how to get there, help them figure out their path. So in a lot of ways, I end up helping people with what you're describing in this podcast in general is this idea of how do you make your school life turn into a something beyond that. And so you were, before you were doing that, you did an MA degree at Georgia State, right? In religious studies. Actually, I did my MA at Georgia. Oh, Georgia. But, I'm um, sorry. Yeah, UGA. But um, I did st- I did teach. Um, I was the instructor of religious studies at uh, Georgia State. Okay. So how did you get from uh, MA in religious studies at Georgia, teaching at Georgia State to academic advising uh, in Romance Languages? Yeah, so um, basically uh, having all the teaching experience. So one of the really great things about the master's program at UGA is that part of being in school, you were, uh, most everyone in school had some type of assistantship and my assistantship was to teach. So I started teaching religious studies, sort of the intro uh, courses, um, and I fell in love with it. And I loved the material. I loved being able to engage with students. I loved talking about sort of the 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 life of the mind um, and sort of helping students figure things out. And I, over time, after so after I did that as part of my master's, I ended up teaching for a few years, um, mostly adjuncting. Um, But those jobs got harder and harder to come by just because of the market. Um, And I had a number of people who were academic advisors, uh, two different people, so not a huge number, but tell me when I was 
lamenting my my choices for academia they said you'd make a great academic advisor and i was like i have no idea what that is <laughs> um and then a couple they told me what it was uh, what they did and i said well that's really interesting and then suddenly a bunch of advisor positions opened up at uga and i applied so do you um as an academic advisor when you're talking to undergrads how much do you talk to them about uh, grad school and and getting a master's degree like you did and how and how does sort of your experience shape the advice that you give them a lot <laughs> um i end up talking to students about this a lot more than i thought and it's not really part of the training our training is primarily focused on helping students understand university requirements and policies and and also just you know uh, sequencing sequencing of of classes things like that but I kept running up against, because I see mostly juniors and seniors, the question of, you know, career, but also, you know, going on to get a master's. Um, you know, some of the students I see are first generation, so they don't have a whole lot of experience with thinking about what grad school is or why you would want to go. Um, so it's actually been a huge part of the sort of transformation of my job is to help students explore those things and help them sort of get ready for whatever is the next step because they're very anxious. That's one thing I've learned about they're very, there's a lot of fear in them dealing with the job, the prospect of going out and getting a job or even taking the next step in academia. So, yeah, so you have a, a terminal MA, which we just started offering a terminal MA in our department. Yes. What do you think has been the benefits of a terminal a terminal MA versus having gone into like this MA, MA PhD program you talk about? Um, did you was it did you see it as a as a as a better option for you? Like, what are your thoughts about the kind of terminal MA as they're becoming fewer and fewer in a lot of places? Right. Um, I liked it a lot because it gave me time to learn a lot and sort of reflect on what I wanted to do with my life. Um, I feel like sort of the master's PhD combo that you see, um, I think there's a lot of anxiety that, that students get when they encounter those type of things because it's such a long commitment. And if they feel like they may not want to finish it, then they can still, you know, get their MA usually as part of the deal. But it's I think they often feel like they've left something behind, even if it was the right choice. I like the idea of having a master's because I was like, I did it, I completed it, and then I was moving on to the next stage in my life without having to really feel like I left a PhD behind. Did you ever consider doing the PhD or, or did you or you know, how did you come to the decision to like go in this career direction as opposed to going on to do the, the, the PhD? Um, I did consider it. Um, in fact, for a long time, I thought, you know, it seemed like the logical next step. Um, you know, I love teaching. But after a while um, of, of this sort of teaching and everything, I thought, now I'm going to go back to school for a few years and it'll be super intense. And then I might get a job <laughs> as a professor somewhere, maybe. Um, so a lot of it had to do with looking at, you know, the prospects. Um, for uh, for my you know occupation going forward and and I wanted more um, sort of more job security I think the idea of you know being where I am my husband is here and so being able to you know not have to worry about you know traveling or any of those type of things that was very important for me yeah one of the common themes we've seen I think 
across people who have made a kind of either a leap out of the academy or within or some sort of decision, uh, come to some sort of decision point has been a kind of balance of like, well, what's the life that I want? And what's the, <laughs> exactly. amount, what's the amount of like, of of bending and stretching I'm willing to do and think I'll still be happy in the long run for to have done? Yes. Um, no. I think that's exactly it. Yeah. How do you see it sort of, so sort of big picture? Cause you, I think you're, you're interesting cause you have kind of multiple views on the, on the Academy being both an advisor now and in sort of administration side, but having talked for so long and having been through graduate program and all that, like, right. how do you see the relationship between kind of the agency students, both undergrad, grad students have, um, and, and even faculty, even, even like early faculty when they're making the decisions, right. Uh, right. versus the sort of overarching structures of the academy, both in terms of programs, but also jobs. Like, how do you think people should think about their, wherever they are on that spectrum, you know, along the academic career, how do you think they should think about themselves in relation to those larger sort of seemingly faceless structures we're stuck in? <laughs> right. Well, sometimes, I mean, they are all systems. So you're within them, um, kind of understanding that it's almost like, um, intersections, you know, the idea that, you know, you have an identity that uh, works in a certain way. And so one thing that I really enjoyed about being an advisor or becoming an advisor that I didn't even know was there is that I'm sort of liminal, which I felt like as um, an academic, that was the bad way to be. (laughs) Um, But as an administrative, uh, you know, someone in administration, being liminal has only served me. So for example, like, I can talk to students, I can talk to professors, I can talk to other administrators, I work help with curriculum, I have the experience of teaching, so I kind of know what the classroom and research experience is like for professors, so I can kind of be like, you know, explain to students that professors don't just teach, that a lot of their life is involved with research and grants and things that students haven't thought about. Um, So, I mean, it's in many ways that has helped me. Um, And so I think people in this position or who are thinking about these various uh, positions um, should acknowledge that, you know, there is a decline. Uh, We've noticed it for lots of years now of certain jobs in the academy um, that the academy is changing, but it's a it's a behemoth. So it changes very slowly and usually not with everything else going on. Um, so, you know, those are the things to keep in mind and administration is getting bigger for Mm. the most part. Yeah. So just knowing those things and being able to leverage those things in your favor, I think is important and having administrative experience, um, you know, helping professors in particular who maybe don't know the ins and outs of curriculum has been really helpful for me because, I've been able to say, hey, I know how this works and I can help you, you know, create the best curriculum plan based on what I'm seeing students need or do or want. Um, and so that, I think, helps them. So it's it's an interesting place to be. But I, I mean, I understand that, you know, these are this is a very complex system and we're all trying to figure out where it's going. Yeah. Um, what advice would you give someone in an MA program? Because it that is considering like similar to you not doing the PhD for whatever reason, um, what should they be doing, you know, that as, as an MA student to prepare themselves to be able to come out and show that the MA was actually, you know, a benefit toward and not just 
you know, two years they took after their undergrad before they started their career. Right. Well, actually, I mean, a lot of people I work with have masters um, who are advisors or administrators um, and some have PhDs. So in some ways, but if, if someone has thought, OK, I know I don't want to go on to the PhD route for whatever reason, um, the most important thing is to kind of think about what you've learned, uh, being able to. And I tell this to my undergraduates, too that a lot of times in academia, because everything is driven towards more academia a lot of times, um, that that they don't understand about, they have no experience translating what they do into something that can be understood in a non-academic environment. Um, and so they have to be their own spokesperson, their own salesperson. Um, and it, it I know it's often really hard within like the humanities and liberal arts to do this because we don't like to think of ourselves that way as a marketing ourselves. But in many ways, I say you just want that person. You want someone to want to hire you. You want it to make it easy for them to hire you. And so therefore you want to, you know, uh, go get someone to look at your resume, uh, bulk up, even, you know, uh, doing like things like book reviews being able to show that you can write clearly and concisely is something that you could use in all fields, in all areas, in all types of work. Um, you know, I was a business analyst for a year in between my stints and um, I didn't like it, but um, I learned a lot about what I wanted to do and, and what I could offer the world and that I was very organized, that having an MA taught me how to organize large swaths of material and to pare it down and articulate it to like, the quintessential parts. Yeah, that's helpful. I think it is helpful to think about the skills. Um, that's something we're trying to do with our MA students. In some ways, I'm asking you questions that I want them to hear answers to. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. No, I mean, I I like to help students. That's part of my job. So whether they're, I mean, I've actually talked to MA students who've come into my office and said, I'm thinking about possibly doing something besides a PhD. Yeah. And they just, as, as just having a cav- casual conversation said, you know, what do you think? You know, should I try for something like advising or administration or, you know, go teach in a, in a, 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 you know, a private school? What should I do? Like, should I go into the private sector? Like, there are just so many different things. Yeah. What do you tell them? Basically what I just told you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I just, I want them to be agents. Um, We all work within systems, whether they're business systems or the academic world. I mean, really, you have to promote yourself, show the things that you've done. Um, that's probably the best thing is being able to like sit down and, and write out my resume and re-envision the things that I've done from an academic lens to a more uh, sort of uh, administrative lens is important. Have different resumes for different things, different jobs you're applying to. I think that's important. That's, that's super helpful because I think a lot of people, if you're going to make a kind of jump, you have to have put in some sort of preparation to do yes. it. It can't just be like, yes. I got to get out of here. And then <laughs> otherwise, I think a lot of people there, there, and I've seen this, this came up with the conversation I had with one of our other interviews about that, that the more you get down the academic line, you start <laughs> to feel more and more trapped. Right. Like you've, right. Cause you've said yes to this specific thing, which is meant saying no to lots of other things. And I think what you're saying about having these other experiences and paying attention to the skills you're gaining is a kind of a way to keep from getting that feeling of being trapped, being able to be like, well, I could always go to, you know, um, do something else, do something else. Cause I have these skills. And, yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot of fear 
um, the further you get into academia. And unfortunately, I think that I'm so glad you're doing a podcast like this because, and, and you have this for your MA students, because I feel like in academia, a lot of times the people that are the senior faculty, they don't know what else is out there. <laughs> exactly. Like, I mean, it, and it's not a fault of theirs. It's just that their job and their life did not take them having, you know, into doing other things. So they're really not the experts on that. And I think that having, you know, exploring and also just the fact that, you know, at this point, I work a lot with our career center um, at UGA, just mostly like training to find out what is it I can help my students with. And one of the things that I've learned is that, you know, this generation of students is going to have multiple careers, not just multiple jobs. So it's very likely that they will need um, to understand the skills they have, to hone them, to know how to market them so that they can recalibrate um, as they enter, as the market enters different ups and downs and their different interests and different jobs out there. That's, yeah, that's really good. That's really like, that's, yeah. All right. Um, I don't want to keep you too long. So okay. last question, sure. what is the part of your job, your current position that you enjoy the most? Like, what do you, when you, when, when, what's the thing that you go home like that? That's why I like doing this. <laughs> um, I love my job. Um, it took me a little while to get into it. Um, primarily because um, I miss teaching, but advising is so much like teaching, only it's on a, um, in some ways it gives you more contact with students because you're engaging them in something that um, is is very personal to them um, and you can really see the effects. Um, so when I see students that, you know, first came to me and they really didn't know what they were doing um, and then I've helped them every, you know, I meet with them every semester and we sometimes multiple times and we talk about, you know, what their plans are and how to get from point A to point B and I help them deal with fear about the future. Um, it's super satisfying to see them graduate and to hear about what they're doing next. Um, that's probably the best thing is to be like, I got to help in that process, you know, whether, even if it was just a little bit, I got to have something that encouraged them and, and soothed their fears and, and helped them, you know, be positive and, and act in their own favor as they go out into the world. Well, thank you so much for taking time Super. Uh, to talk about this stuff. This is great. Um, and yeah, thanks so much. Thanks so much. It was great talking to you, Mike. Study Religion is a production of the Department of Religious Studies at the University of Alabama. For more information on our department, go to www.religion.ua.edu or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash R-E-L at U-A. Have a comment or question about the podcast? You can email us at religiousstudies at ua.edu or reach out to us on Twitter or Instagram at, at Study Religion. If you've enjoyed the show, please subscribe to us on iTunes and leave us a comment and a rating. That helps other folks find the show and makes you a very giving person. Special thanks to Kyle Ashley, a major in our department, for his help editing the show. Our opening theme is Two Minute Warning by Stefan Kartenberg, and this closing theme is Saturday Night by Texas Radio Fish. Both are used under Creative Commons license. We'll talk to you later. Roll Tide.